Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. In 2014, Jay and Lavleen Sindhu launched Bank Mobile, a division of the traditional finance institution, Customers Bank. As opposed to relying only on organic growth, Bank Mobile quickly grew with a B2B2C strategy through the acquisition of the college student checking platform, HireOne, and by using a white label strategy with telecom disruptor, Sprint Mobile. Recently, the Sindus again took the road less traveled by repositioning Bank Mobile as part of a separate technology platform available to traditional banking organizations, hoping to jumpstart their digital banking offerings. They also announced a partnership with Google to offer their account within the Google Pay app. We are fortunate to have both Jay and his daughter, Lavine Sindhu, co-founders of Bank Mobile on the show today. I have known both these banking leaders for years as they have been covered by and contributed to the financial brand and the financial brand form. In the show, we discuss the recent moves by Bank Mobile and what their future holds for this evolutionary digital bank. So welcome to the show, Jay and Loveline. You are definitely the first father-daughter guest we've had on the show, but you may also be the only father-daughter leadership team in the banking business. In fact, Loveline, you were just noted as the youngest woman CEO of a publicly traded financial institution. That's pretty cool, especially when you consider, as I did my research right, that you started in the banking industry on the day after Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy, and that was your first day at work at Lehman Brothers. Not that you lost that job. You actually kept it, I think, for six years after that. So I guess from these hard knocks, you you can move on to great things. So congratulations, by the way. Thank you. We're happy to be here. So, Jay, I have known you for close to a decade, back to when you head up the $90 billion Sovereign Bank Corps and when you moved to head the much smaller Customers Bank and created Bank Mobile Platform in 2015. Today, Bank Mobile is one of the largest digital banking platforms in the country with close to 2 million customers. The foundation of your go-to-market strategy has been a banking-as-a-service platform for college students to receive their college loan disbursements and to support a white-label digital banking offering with T-Mobile. You're also looking to create partnerships with legacy banks looking for better mobile banking platform. Jay, can you describe your early journey of building a digital banking platform as part of a traditional bank? And what were some of the early challenges you faced? Oh, thank you, Jim, and it's a pleasure reconnecting with you. So after leaving Sovereign back in 2007, I took about a two to three year hiatus from banking and got into the private equity business. It's sort of, uh, you know, I missed banking, even though in PE, you can make a lot of money. But I always believed that banking is a beautiful business. It's a business where everybody can be your client where they trust you and you can actually create an awesome business helping your consumers and businesses succeed. And not too many businesses where your model is to help customers succeed. So I decided to get back into the banking business, but with a few self-imposed rules. Number one was we wanted to build a bank of the future that can sustain organic growth for 10 to 20 years. As you know, at Sovereign, 75% of our growth was through M&A, and 25% of the growth was organic. But I wanted to build something with with organic growth. Number two self-imposed rule was that we wanted to be focused on the best of community banking and the best opportunities that technology can support community banking. So we called it high-touch, supported with high-tech business model. 
And a third self-imposed rule for myself was that high touch will always be a differentiator for business banking, but is the consumer willing to give up high touch for high touch using technology? So it became interesting that what will be the business model? And when 90% of the branches in U.S. are not profitable if you take away overdraft fees, can you really build a bank which is built upon organic growth where your model happens to be that more and more of your customers have to keep mismanaging money because that's the only way you have overdraft fees? I still remember sitting at Sovereign and challenging the head of retail banking how are you going to increase your overdraft fees from 175 million this year to 190 million? And that's the time I said, never, ever am I want to be in that kind of a business. So it's not a sustainable model. Branch banking, the way most banks are doing it in the U.S. is not sustainable. And lastly, I believe that and still believe today that branches are not going to go away for at least 25 or more years. But they will become something different that is not dependent upon overdraft fees. So we decided to experiment for consumer banking. And I always believe in setting rules of what you will do and what you will not do. So we set some rules for innovation and that challenged our creativity and challenged the status quo. So first thing we said is, let's assume branches become illegal. After that, let's assume customers will only say, wow, when they really are better off tomorrow than what they are today. And third rule is that profitability must be achieved within five years for any new bank, because even in DeNova banking, within five years, DeNovas are become profitable. And last but not the least, that we should be able to achieve about 25% annual growth rate over a 10-year period, 25% per year, because technology companies were growing like that. I'll tell you, we set some pretty high bars for ourselves. We did not succeed in every one of them. Right. So, the marketplace, you know, kind of dictates that to a degree, too. So it's tough. Yeah, we had some early. You're absolutely right, Jim. And we had some early challenges. I mean, I had my colleagues say, it'll never work. Consumers will never do business with a bank that doesn't have branches. Consumers don't care about paying overdraft fees. And that the bank banking is going to always have overdraft fees. And we don't have the technology capabilities, and the banks will never have technology capabilities. And that customers will continue to love banks so much that they don't care about how much interest the bank is paying them and how much in fees are they getting. So here are the lessons that we learned. Number one is you can always get thousands of people in a technology business sign up each and every day, but you will not get them to become your primary bank customer. So Levine, you've had a leadership position at Bank Mobile since the beginning. What challenges did you face over the years, both by being a woman, but also based on your age? You're, you're, you started with the, the bank at a very young age and Either one of those two things could be a challenge, but what challenges did you face? So I feel that, you know, maybe I've just trained my mind to think this way, but I like to think of like the glass half full. And so first I saw the positive in it. You know, our business model has always been a disruptive one. 
And so I think it's no different to have a disruptive executive and, and founder of the business. And being a young female minority in banking was definitely disruptive as well. And I think that because, you know, what I symbolize and also the business model that we have are aligned in that disruptive sort of nature, I think all it does is really sort of help and differentiate and, and set us apart. You know, that being said, you know, there are obviously, you know, some challenges. And I think, you know, is it a challenge? Yes. But we're seeing younger and younger entrepreneurs and they're starting businesses super young and they're so successful. And so, you know, Jeff Bezos, I think, also says try to bring in, you know, 20 something year olds in, in every meeting. And I think it brings a fresh perspective on things and especially the demographic that we're going after. But at the same time, I think what helped me navigate being a woman and a young woman was my openness to learning from others. And we made sure that we had banking veterans on the team. You know, those banking veterans are still um, executives that I work with today. And there's a lot of respect and there's a lot of humility and there's co-learning as we, we built this together. So interestingly, taking it a step further, not trying to start a family feud, but what challenges are in, in working with a family member? Again, maybe it's that half glass full, Jim, but I think it's been one of the biggest blessings of my life to work with my father. I think that he's an incredible mentor. We complement each other so well. He's one of my biggest cheerleaders, and I really thrive when I have a cheerleader beside me as I'm going and navigating through difficult times. And, you know, every business is difficult at some point, and we've had our challenges, and he's always been a cheerleader for me. Difficulties, uh, I think my dad is a visionary, and I think that he always thinks sort of five steps ahead. And it's hard for myself sometimes and those around us to sort of create the links that will get to that vision. And it's so clear in his head. Um, and, it, and and we have to sort of, it gets frustrating at times, but he's always set us in, in a really good direction and, and a great vision. So grateful for that. And I think from my point of view, because she's my daughter, I set an expectation standard that was so much higher than for anybody else that nobody would think that the only reason she is where she is is because she is my daughter. We run a public company. This is not a family business. And you have to be the best that we could recruit. So we went through a recruiting process and Lovelyne came out where I totally recused myself and she came out as the number one candidate. And I was surprised then. And I said, well, Lovelyne, if you're going to work for us, you have to work 10 times smarter and 10 times harder than anybody else. So that because people will always wonder why you are where you are. I'm so proud of her that she has followed through and that she has really uh, helped with it, build a team and build a company that I think has been built to last. Well, it's interesting because uh, I had a call with a friend of mine in the business who has worked with both of you, actually worked on a consulting basis with your bank. And uh, Ron Shevlin said, I don't know if there's two brighter people in the business than Jay and Loveline. He said, you know, it's interesting to see that in one organization because, but he said the same thing as you said. I mean, he said visionary and doing things that other people aren't doing and, and they get it. And that doesn't always happen. That's not always the case and, and always looking for new ways. So Jay, can you describe a little bit about the partnership that really was the, the starting point for Bank Mobile where Hire One and the importance of the partnership to the overall growth and your innovation strategy? Oh, sure. I've always had an experience where you'd have bank branches 
and people would come to a bank branch and you'd have to advertise and promote and market that branch. And that's how you acquired customers. So we started studying how, which are the companies that are attracting financial services customers at rates which are 10 times to 25 times higher and they don't have branches. And a company that I'd never heard of came up called Hire One. And they were opening up between 300,000 to 500,000 new checking accounts a year and they had no branches. What did they have? They had partnerships with colleges and universities and they were solving the problems, the pain points of colleges and universities. When we studied them more, we hated their business model because they were charging fees after fees after fees after fees. And one of the premise, like I shared with you earlier, that we set a rule ourselves is the customer must be the winner. The customer must say, wow. And they will not say, wow, if they are not better off tomorrow than what they are today. So we saw opportunities. We partnered with Hire One so we could learn some business from them. But at the same time, their model was not a sustainable model and Hire One failed. And when they failed, we picked up their business for pennies and really turned it around, eliminated all fees, took advantage of those partnerships, rebuilt the company, learned from it, failed in some ways, but failure is also learning and built a model which we call B2B2C, which is banks call B2B2C is bank through a branch to a consumer. We call B2B2C is bank through a business partner to the consumer. And that's the lesson that we learned. And that's how we built Bank Mobile. Well, you, you solved two problems. You solved something for the students, but also for the university. And from a funding proposition, part of the funding to support the business came from the universities and part still came from the students. But, you know, what percentage in that in that business model, which you've been you've had since the beginning, what percentage of those accounts remain active post-graduation? I think it's 75 percent or something like that. But let me just tell you one thing. Banks always found student market attractive. Banks always looked at opening up branches close to where the campuses were. And what we ended up doing is putting a digital branch in the chief financial office of a college or a university's office. And as a result of that, attracted these customers. And the challenge has been which I think is a challenge for digital banking, when you're not paying interest and you want them to deposit your paycheck, how do you build that trust? How do you build that relationship that you become a primary bank? And that's why we have not succeeded in retaining 100% of those customers. But right now, we are retaining well over 75% of the customers and Dublin can give you more statistics on that. And that's the foundation as to how we built this whole company in bank through a business partner to the consumer. And right now, for in five years, we have built a bank that has about 800 million in non-interest bearing demand deposits. That is better than any DeNova bank in branches that has ever been able to get 800 million in non-interest bearing deposits within five years. Yeah, the marketplace now has kind of come to you in that, um, you know, now being a completely digital organization is not foreign to college students as it was when you started. And there's a lot of other competitors out there, but they're all 
for the most part, digital-only banks. The kids don't go to the branch, even if it's on the campus. So, Lavelle, in 2014, I wrote an article for the financial brand entitled Seven Reasons Why Mobile Money from T-Mobile Should Worry Bankers. And I said from the very beginning, because there are other models internationally, my reasons range from the audience the carrier targeted to the number of branches they had, to the culture of the organization, to the fact that the branches already handled cash. From my perspective, this white-label offering supported by Bank Mobile yet has never really taken off the way that I envisioned it, and maybe not the way you envisioned it. Why is that? Why is it maybe not the killer app out there? Sure. So, Jim, thanks for reminding me about that article and appreciate that when when that came out. You know, I, I, I guess respectfully sort of disagree that it hasn't taken off. For us, T-Mobile is one of the most exciting partnerships that we have. We believe fully in the product that we've created. They are a public company. We don't talk publicly too much about the strategy. But what we think in our understanding is is the most successful de novo digital bank launch in history in terms of the growth that we are seeing. And everything is upward to the right in terms of account growth, in terms of percent of accounts funded, average balances, point of sale transactions, et cetera. And if you saw a press release come out yesterday where we've announced that we've now expanded into the Sprint base, and that can nearly double the customer base overnight and the opportunity for us. And we also talked about enhancements to the account, such as two-day advance paycheck and cash deposits. And so we are at the very beginning of this relationship. It launched in April 2019, and over the last year, year and a half, we've seen tremendous growth, a lot of resiliency of this product through the pandemic, and we're just scratching the surface in terms of the opportunity and the product offering that we're bringing to market. Well, it, it's funny because when I uh, wrote the article, what prompted me was I love their management structure. I love their spirit. I love the aggressiveness of their technology base. And that's how they got Sprint. I mean, they never stopped going after it. And I'm glad you countered my comment. I was, I was hoping you would. So that was, it was a little bit of a setup. But it is exciting because when you sit there and you say, you know, because I know that Jay and I talked about the T-Mobile agreement, both publicly and privately, for quite some time before it really formulated. T-Mobile tried it on their own, and there's just a lot of possibility there. And then with the addition of the Sprint base, now it it just has a momentum and, and some of the ways you're going about your tech foundation that I think I may revisit that article and just redate it and say, why the T-Mobile relationship still should worry bankers at night, because I, I do believe it's a pretty neat partnership, knowing your dad and knowing you and, and knowing Sprint a bit and T-Mobile, the combination can be pretty doggone potent. I think, Jim, you just, just remember success is a marathon, not just a sprint. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> you know, no pun intended. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, uh, whenever you are building something, you want to always build a strong foundation. And you were absolutely right, but you got to be a little bit patient. And, and, and so it's being tested and tested and tested, and it's being tweaked and tweaked and tweaked, and it's been learned from your things that are working and things that are not working. And we believe that is what will make T-Mobile Money a very successful offering over a period of time. So, Jay, from the very beginning, your team is focused on improving the bank mobile platform through an enhanced design and an innovation mindset. 
Can you describe a little bit about how innovation is handled at Bank Mobile? I think you've got to have a vision. And if you don't have a vision of what you're trying to achieve, you're not going to have you know, innovation. You will just have incremental changes. And incremental changes is creating 5 to 10% improvements. And in most companies, especially in banks, incremental changes and in innovation is directly tied to reducing expenses. So when they talk about innovating the branches, they're talking about shutting down some branches. The greatest innovation some of the people have said in branches is to put video machines or video tellers in branches. Well, darn it, everybody is carrying one of those in their pockets 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So why do you have to go to a bank branch if you want to talk over a video with somebody? So the culture we create in innovation is create a vision, create a path on the strategy on how we're going to achieve the vision. And then come up with what are the things that we have, we possess, we call it mastery of the internal factors. And what is happening in the external world? How can we use technology, the changing trends, the customer behaviors, the regulatory environment, those kind of things, and then create a passion for execution. If you have all these four things, you will create a very successful innovation culture. You know, it's interesting that the chairman of Lemonade and, and my podcast listeners have heard me refer to this quite a bit, said the biggest hindrance to digital transformation is legacy culture and legacy thinking. Yes. And I will never pin that on you, Jay or Levine, that you have legacy thinking or legacy culture. And I think that's a big difference. And when you look at how important innovation is, what percentage of your team at Bank Mobile are involved with design and innovation, roughly? I would say 40% of our company today is working on sort of research and development, product tech development, engineers, UX team, product managers. And so all of them sort of come together to make sure that we're innovating, we're thinking about our product, we're iterating on our product, we're designing our product, we're doing customer research for our product. And today that's about 40% of the team. So it's interesting because when I visited Huawei in January, we visited their European campus in uh, Shenzhen, and, and 25,000 people are housed at this European-styled campus. And it was interesting because every company that we visited in China, their commitment to R&D and to innovation was close to 50% of their entire employee base. Because if you're digital, you don't need a lot of store employees. You don't need the, these people. And they're not miscategorization. They're not people you just say, well, I'll put them under the category of innovation R&D. But I think it's important because we talk about digital transformation being from the core out. And if you build it that way, and if you have that type of commitment to innovation, it, it's certainly going to help you quite a bit. In the same phrase of innovation and R&D, Lovelyne, you recently announced a partnership with Google to create a more aggressive acquisition engine. What are the advantages that Google provides Bank Mobile from your perspective? Yeah, we're super excited about the Google partnership. You know, we're thrilled to partner with them. It's a very unique partnership, and we view ourselves as quite differentiated from the other bank partners. It was really a win-win partnership the way that we were thinking about mm -hmm. it, because we already are a fintech company that has a bank charter. We, we believe in the products that we've created for T-Mobile and, and other white labels, et cetera. And so the question becomes, why did we partner with Google? And I think it's because we both have tremendous interest in helping millions of students across the country. We have such a unique funnel today where one in every three college-bound students touches us 
through our 750 relationships that we have with campuses across the country. And Google, with their tremendous brand that's globally recognized, with their ability to create platform and properties after properties that show billions of people that are pleased with the user experiences that they're able to create, that we could join together and serve our student demographic using their front-end experience, using the expertise that they've built in delighting customers and creating unique customer experiences, and, and specifically focusing that offering on helping our students manage, save, grow their money, while being supported by our banking infrastructure and, and everything that we bring to the table on running a bank and then co-branding and using our refund selection funnel to, to be able to acquire these customers and serve them in an even better way. I'll just add to that. A typical bank opens up three to five new checking accounts, sometimes a week or a month. All right. Loveline and her platform that she talked about is opening up hundreds of thousands a year and 10,000 a week. So Google plus EM Technologies plus a bank partner can probably be the number one banking platform in the United States in a couple of years. You know, it's interesting. When I, I saw who was partnering with Google, I could understand why a traditional bank would want to partner with Google for primarily the engagement in the UX functionality. Um, they really, in many cases, don't have nearly as good of a, of a digital banking or mobile banking platform. But Bank Mobile already has much of this. In fact, you've redesigned your, your user experience many times. I, I, I remember some of those changes and some of the people involved with it. And I was wondering, you know, geez, what does Google bring to the table? And, and Luvelin, you, you you've mentioned this, that the bigger deal is that they're good at the segment you're going after. Yours is more of a segment play than the user experience play, even though there's certainly things Google brings to the table. But their entry into the, the millennial marketplace, their entry into being able to provide you scale again, because again, your, your overall business model is B2B to C. This is a perfect example of how it works. While many of the other partners will probably be spending a whole lot of time understanding how the technology works, you'll be spending time uh, generating customers. So that's, that's exciting. Che, as you move the bank mobile brand under the Megalith Financial Acquisition Corporation umbrella, and you really partner with other banks that are going to be using the white label, will they be um, grandfathered under the Google checking platform or, or be part of the Google initiative, or will that be separate? No, I think uh, the Google partnership is between bank mobile technology and customers bank and whoever uses the bank mobile brand name. And what we've done is that we've separated the technology portion of bank mobile from the banking portion of bank mobile. So the banking portion of bank mobile is staying with customers. The technology portion is moving to what's now called BM technologies and BM technologies will be a private, will be a New York stock exchange or a NASDAQ, NASDAQ created company. And they will be able to do business and help a lot of community banks. Any community banks that wants to leapfrog from having that legacy-based business model to a legacy plus digital-based business model can be doing business with BM Technologies and they can help them leapfrog. So that's what we've done. And learnings from Google and introductions to the to this business model and helping them succeed 
and taking advantage of of some of the failures that the Bank Mobile has had, successes that Bank Mobile has had, and the technology that BM Technologies has developed is going to be awesome beyond just the Google advantages of Google partnership, but they'll have to be qualified to become, and Google has to accept the different other bank partners. It's not BM technology that will have to accept. Google is very, very focused on having partnerships with, with institutions, like you said, Jim, where they see one plus one equals three or four or five. So, Levine, the banking ecosystem is getting very crowded with a lot of traditional and fintech players having challenges with differentiation. Who do you consider to be your greatest competition? Is it the traditional bank? Is it the fintech player? Is it the technology company? And what's your differentiation or what do you hope your differentiation is going to be going forward? I sometimes think about, you know, what is our competition as well, obviously. And I think it's a lot of all of the above. I really do view that in in some ways that, number one, we're, we're direct competitors of neobanks in terms of, you know, making sure that we're solving a consumer pain point and bringing digital banking to the modern era and, and being able to serve them in a better way. We are competing with traditional banks. And, you know, the top four or five banks have 50% of the deposits today. They have, majority, you know, majority of the deposits in four or five institutions. Um, and so to be able to take some of that market share, you know, their competitors. Um, and then looking at some players that are also coining themselves as banking as a service, whether that's API-based consumption or really creating a white label platform to some degree. And so, you know, all of them blended together, I view as competitors in in this space and that we're taking a bit of market share or or customer base from hopefully all of them. But, you know, what really differentiates us, you know, number one, we, we have a full banking as a service model end to end. So that doesn't mean that we just provide the primary banking digital technology for our partners to use on a modern technology stack but we're also providing them access to a bank charter through our partner bank. And we're providing the full service operations of a bank from deposit operations, you know, loan operations, core processing, debit card issuance, customer care, fraud management, data analytics, you know, compliance and risk management, you name it. it it's totally being able with a flip of a switch to be able to create a banking institution. And we pr- bring all of that to the table to our partners. You know, two, we are committed to partnering with banks that are under 10 billion in assets and being able to have that Durban advantage. And so we're able to have a greater pie of revenue to share with our partners, which is a compelling value proposition. Three, we're in a regulatory um, environment and we're truly a fintech with bank DNA. We grew up in a bank. We know about banking. We've been through so many examinations ourselves. We have deep respect for the regulatory environment and experience. And I think that uniqueness of FinTech and, and having the technology and innovation, but couple that with robust sort of compliance and regulatory understanding sets us apart. I also think that what sets us apart is very customized tailoring. So we, we aren't just an API-based consumption where you can you know consume our API and, and open a bank customer or a savings account, but truly work with our partners to ideate how do they want to create differentiated financial services products and roll it out through their retail channels, through their digital channels, you name it, and creating unique experiences that are really unique to that partner is, is something that we bring to the table. And lastly, I'd say is we're able to bring a bank to our partners 
really at a fraction of the time and fraction of the cost that it would take them to do it themselves, which is a really unique offering while bringing that customization. So, Jay, you know, what it sounds like is that you've really moved the opposite direction as some of the fintechs are doing where they're trying to get a banking charter. You're really moving more towards from a a fintech to a tech fin where the ability to have an open banking and banking as a service engagement platform allows you to add other services without all the regulatory challenges, especially as you're working towards other organizations, work with other organizations. But really, it's really a vision towards a technology platform as opposed to having a a banking charter, correct? That is correct. But it's a technology platform that has an ability to partner with community banks. Because like Lavleen said, the partnership opportunities are really for banks below 10 billion in size. And you must have a strategic advantage. You know, government created a Durban amendment, which is crazy, but on the other hand, it creates an opportunity for community banks to take advantage of. And if you are just in branch banking in a certain geography, you are really unable to take advantage of Durban, and you are at a disadvantage compared to the largest banks in the nation. Largest banks in the nation are picking up market share today from community banks as well as from the mid-sized banks. And BM Technology is tremendously positioned to partner and help community banks become very relevant, unique, and successful. Well, it's interesting because in all the research we've done, both pre- and post-COVID, because we, we're doing a, involved in a lot of new research right now, we're finding that the biggest challenge, the biggest drawback are the middle market firms because they have legacy culture. They have sides. It's very hard to shift from a branch-based environment to a technology-based environment or a digital environment. While the big banks can plod their way through because they have the money to do so, the middle market, the, the super, the really large community banks, but mostly the regionals and super regionals really have a, a double whammy challenge. And, and that also goes for the fintech companies, because the fintech companies now, if, you, if you're very large but not large enough, you're going to have a hard time getting funding. At the same time, you're going to have a hard time expanding and, and scaling. So you're, you're, again, the middle market's a tough place to be. You are absolutely right. To your point, you know, do you see the financial side of it, the revenue side of it, being as important coming from your partners as from your customers, where maybe the ability to bring less called APIs and the digital banking platform to the table, but add other services that are after your market of customers, your segments, that the financial side of it can be picked up by both sides of the relationship? I think it's got to be both. But at the end of the day, the business model is all built upon making our customers succeed. So if you have a business partner, like you said, Jim, if there happen to be a college or a campus You've got to solve some pain points for that. If it's a business partner like T-Mobile, you've got to help them succeed in their core strategy. Anybody, and Lavleen said that earlier, you've got to be in the business of helping your customers say, wow, it's wonderful doing business with this technology company. So there is a tremendous amount of revenue made to be made in the banking business because customers will provide you deposits and they will always be needing loans, they'll always be needing advice, they'll always be needing mutual funds, they'll always be needing remittances, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, if you can help 
your business partners succeed who have a who also have customers besides banks just having branches and branches will be around for the next 25 years but they'll be very very different and you will have to think through why would somebody love me as a bank because of what i'm doing and just having branches alone is going to become less and less relevant and that's why there is no other option but mobile first digital banking so lovelyne if you look back during the years you've been with both Customers Bank as well as Bank Mobile. If you were to restart today, what lessons have you learned that maybe would you potentially have done things differently? I mean, I, I think that we're programmed to always say that, hey, we, we picked the route and, and this is the journey that things ended up and things always work out. That being said, as I look back, you know, I had a dream of creating a consumer brand, really like banks, like, for someone to be able to say, hey, wow, I love banking with Bank Mobile. And there's something that's really gratifying about having a consumer brand and being able to create that emotional connection with an industry that people typically don't think is sexy or interesting, like banking. And so, you know, I, I think that when we first started, we started direct to consumer. And in our first year, year and a half, it was slower sort of growth in terms of getting to a place where we know that we could create a profitable business model because whether we were too early or we didn't have sort of venture-backed fueled marketing dollars to spend on acquisition, but we were getting smaller balance, fraud sort of filled accounts as well. And I think my desire to create a consumer brand really sort of consumed that direction. And I think the importance of being able to pivot and I think that our banking as a service strategy, not only can we still fulfill that mission of really providing a banking service that consumers find valuable and actually, you know, create, you know, positivity in their in their life through the products that we create, we can still have that end goal and it doesn't have to be direct to consumer, but the ability to sort of pivot and realize that distribution partners and banking as a service can allow us to fulfill that mission, but we can do it in a much more profitable, faster way. It's tough to let go of a dream. I think in one of our, we, we've written more articles, I think, about uh, Bank Mobile than, than any other brand we've written about in the past at, at Financial Brand. And oh, by the way, you've also been a contributor. So I think at one point we talked about being the Amazon of banking. Well, what's interesting is you may still become the Amazon of banking, the way Amazon's pursuing the banking. Not knowing that at the time, but knowing that now, you know, Amazon, Apple, Facebook are building relationships. They're not becoming the bank of Amazon or bank of Google, but they're providing the platform to do so without all the challenges. And as you said, the, both from regulatory issues to financial issues and to be the, the bank behind the bank is not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it's hard to let go of because, as you said, you say, geez, I'm, I'm looking forward to having that be the brand, but we're not seeing too many of those out there, even today, even the, the large fintechs, except for like the PayPals of the world. You don't see a whole lot of these being the brand that everybody recognizes. We're not all Venmos. So, Jay, as we wrap it up, what is the biggest challenge that legacy financial institutions have that keeps them from going the route that you started six years ago or even the one you're pursuing today? Jim, I feel you talked about this, you commented on this. It's the mid-sized banks that have the biggest, biggest challenge. But I would add to that are also the community banks 
that want to be all things to all people. A successful companies are where they have a list of what they will not do, and that list is as clear to them as a list of what they will do. FinTech is nothing other than think technologies that banks should have done, but they chose not to do, or they just felt there was wastage of their money or their resources. So I believe partnerships between FinTechs and banking is going to become the way of the future. And it's going to, because it is nothing other than what banks should be doing anyway. And I think those who don't embrace it, those who don't look at better ways to serve customers are not going to be around within the next two to five years. Bad death of banking is not something I believe in. Banking is going to be around. Some branches are going to be around, but the number of banks are going to shrink. And those who do not embrace innovation, those who are just into cost cutting alone are going to survive for a period of time. But those who will cut cost plus make the customer say, wow, and embrace innovation are going to succeed. And those who are married to their legacy platforms are going to have a very tough time doing that. So, Lavleen, what do you see as the biggest reason why we don't see more traditional financial institutions really embrace digital transformation, digital banking, and the innovation that needs to go forward? Yeah, Jim, I think change is hard. I mean, just look at the human condition in our personal lives. Change is hard. In a business, it's no different. It's easier to go the course that you're going than to, to pivot and, and I think that even as a disruptor, as we're coined like us, has to be careful. No one can become complacent. You know, we're five and a half years into our business, and it's probably a time for us to start thinking and reflecting what changes need to be made, because it never stops. Even for the disruptors, we all have to continuously have this paranoia, you could say, but a constructive paranoia, where you stay on your toes and you're thinking about where the industry going what are consumers thinking, needing? What pain points continue to exist? And how can we meet those pain points and continue to evolve? And maybe you need to bring in new blood, new thinking, or get a leadership team that ha- is forced to think every few years what needs to change. And keeping the steady state and the same road can't be the acceptable answer. And you just have to force change because it's difficult to do it otherwise. I want to thank you both for being on the show today. It's, it's truly a pleasure. It always is to get together with you. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you so much, Jim. You know, that was a great podcast from my perspective. It's been a while since I've gotten together with both Jay and his daughter, and, and it is unique in that there's been so much pivoting for Bank Mobile through the years. If you follow the history, it's interesting from the very beginning, they realized the only way to gain scale was to build a B2B to C model. They, in addition, found that by white labeling and by providing services to outside companies and building a banking platform was also a way to go. They were really quick to, and I'm not going to say walk away, but to minimize the importance of organic growth and the bank mobile brand per se. What would be interesting to see is where the bank mobile brand goes in the future. I would not sell that short to say that at some point you may see a very strong bank mobile brand becoming a retail brand that people recognize. Until then, 
I think you're going to see a lot with their Google partnership, certainly a lot with their T-Mobile partnership, and you're going to continue to see them doing very well on college campuses. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, raised a top five banking podcast. I generally appreciate the support you have provided since we started this endeavor over a year ago. If you enjoy what we are doing, please be sure to subscribe to Banking Transformed on your favorite podcast app. In addition, please take 30 to 45 seconds to show some love in the form of a review. It means the world to me. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our new research reviewing on digital transformation, the future of work, retail banking innovation, and the change in dynamics of financial marketing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Best. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer, Sean Roe Hoffman. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, stay safe and healthy. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.